Welcome to This Week Health Community. My name is Bill Russell. I'm a former CIO for a 16 hospital system and creator of This Week Health, a set of channels dedicated to keeping health IT staff current and engaged. Today, we have an interview in action from the 2023 fall conferences of Chime in San Antonio and Health in Las Vegas. And we wanna thank our show sponsors who are investing in our mission to develop the next generation of health leaders. And they are Olive, Rubric, Trellix, Medigate, and F5. Check them out at thisweekhealth.com. And here we go. All right, here we are at the Chime Fall Forum, another interview in action. And we are joined by the CIO for Children's Hospital of Philadelphia, CHOP, as it's uh, affectionately known, and it's Shakib Akhtar. And uh, hey, thanks for stopping by. Thanks for having me. It's an it's, honor to be here. It's the first time we're meeting, and I'm looking forward to the conversation. My experience with CHOP has been predominantly through the JP Morgan Conference. So you guys mm -hmm. present every year at the JP Morgan Conference. It's generally your CEO mm -hmm. and your CFO. Now, the CFO is there to talk about the, the numbers because sure. it's the JP Morgan Conference. Right. But the CEO every year comes in with these amazing stories of the work that's going on at CHOP. Mm -hmm. They're inspiring. She's one of the CEOs that I look forward to hearing from because it's just amazing the things you guys are doing. Mm -hmm. I don't know if there's a question in there. I'm just, I'm yeah, sort of in awe of the stuff that goes on there. You know, I came to CHOP three years ago from adult medicine at Northwestern in Chicago, and I can say the mission is just amazing, and the people there really, truly care for the children that we care for. And it's extremely, one of the things in our DNA is innovation and breakthroughs. So we have these, we call them breakthrough makers and creating breakthroughs every day. So there's a lot of great work in the Research Institute and across all the organization to really transform healthcare for kids, not just in Philly, but all over the world. So every day I go there, I feel inspired to be there, to be able to work there. The research aspect of it is interesting to me because that always leads me to the direction of talking about data and the application of data to the care setting and to research. Right. And those kind of things. Yeah. And that's your background prior to being a CIA. That's correct, yeah. Talk a little bit I about my old job. Yeah. <laughs> talk, talk a little bit about that that foundation that's set up in order to to really support that work. Yes. So we have over the last three years. I came on as the vice president of data analytics three years ago. The work we've done is really create a enterprise data analytics platform. So we have an enterprise data warehouse that ingests and integrates structured and unstructured data. We have a data trust office that governs all of the data, assesses the quality of all of the data, so folks can actually trust the data that they're looking at. And it's consistent across research, quality improvement, and operational analytics. And then we have been on a journey to really create data literacy in the organization. So we actually started a DNA university, Data Analytics University. I always wanted to be a dean of the university, so I said, what's the way I can accomplish that goal? And uh, your own university. Create my own university. I, so. I assume it's not accredited. It's not accredited, but it may be with some folks here at some point. Doing some work with Chime on that. So we've trained about 500 folks in the organization. It's taken on like wildfire. We teach them on everything on how to write SQL. So we'll have people that have no code to programming in SQL and R in a month, two months. We also teach them how to analyze data, interpret data, storytell with data, visualize with data. So it's been really great. So I think we have a very good structure there. We're now launching a data catalog that is a joint partnership. So we have an operational data warehouse. We also have a program called Arcus, which is for PIs to be able to share data amongst themselves. And then we integrate that data with the clinical data we have in the data warehouse. 
Now we're creating what we're calling kind of front door for data across the organization. And we're using a data catalog to be able to do that jointly across the board. So I think we made a lot of progress in that space. So transition to CIO. When I talk to children's hospitals, one of the things that, that fascinates me, because I was with a large IDN, but you guys are starting to function a little bit more like an integrated delivery network for children in the area. How do you think through digital and the experience for children and their families, I guess? Yeah, it's really good question. It's really interesting for us because having been in the adult space and realizing with adults things are very predictable. They have their smartphones, they're going to behave a certain way, they're going to be at certain events. For the pediatric experience, very different. We have parents, we have teenagers who may be adults and want to look at their own records and not share with parents, we have proxies, etc. So the way we're looking at experience is kind of a digital doors strategy and essentially saying that we want to have a seamless patient experience that enables access through multiple mediums. And so we're looking at right now everything from our provider directory, our online scheduling and the ability to book, our mobile experience, and what does that look like, and making that seamless and harmless. The other thing that we're looking at through that is to say that there should only be one application that you access services through, right. rather than an app for RPM, an app for, for patient care. We would bring all that together seamlessly for a patient and say, this is the MyChop brand, and bring it all underneath that. And so we're looking at a lot of that. We're also looking at automation in the access center to be able to triage things messages, have chatbots for people to be able to interact with as they're trying to get services from our shop. And our goal is two things, increase access to care for kids and serve our underserved communities and then really look at the people that don't have access to care in Western Philadelphia, Southern Philadelphia, and some of the neighborhoods around the surrounding area. Last time I was in Philly, I was out visiting a friend and I have family in Philly as well. And I noticed a, at least for me, it was a new facility out in the main line. Yeah. So are you guys, are you guys are in an expansion mode from a geographic Yes, standpoint? absolutely. Growth is a top priority for us. We have built the secondary hospital, our first second hospital. And so it's in King of Prussia, right next to the mall. And it's a great location. There's obviously a community. It's, we are already at capacity in many well, ways. I was going to say, it's not huge. Yeah. It's, it's, it's I, I was want, that's where I was going to go with this. Is that a strategy of you know, these, let's just call them medium-sized locations uh, around the Philadelphia metro? Yes, I mean, part of it is we're looking at the market data to figure out where our next locations should be. And then uh, the way the King of Prussia Hospital helps us is essentially provides care in a community that we not, have not been in directly previously with urgent care, ED, et cetera, but also then allows patients to interact with us in that market and then get some specialty care services there as well. Because that's one of the challenges with children's hospitals is they're generally right downtown and right. there's no traffic quite like Philly traffic. Yeah. Talk to me about, so the conference, you're here, we have track sessions, we have focus groups. What kind of things are you focused in on while you're here? I think there's a couple of things. One, we are really resetting our approach on digital at shop. So there's a couple of sessions here around digital culture eating culture eating strategy for breakfast and so we've, we've started to build our strategy but what i'm really interested in is understanding how people have built the digital enabling culture so that's one of the larger things i'm focused on others is really around ai predictive analytics we're turning a corner on the maturity of our program we really want to focus on automation and predictive analytics so that's the 
other large opportunity I see, and uh, focus on some of those sessions as well. AI. Yes. I assume you're tapping into some cloud resources to do that. Is that something that you're thinking of the foundation for that, or is that something where, I mean, because you're a research institution, sometimes they just come to you and say, hey, I got some money, this is what we're doing. Right. If they even come to you. Sure, yeah, yeah. exactly, <laughs> right, right, exactly. So are you thinking through setting up a foundation where more and more of your researchers can tap into a, a foundation that's architected, if you will? Yes, I mean, one of the things we want to be able to do is we want to be able to standardize the platforms to the extent that's possible, but we don't want to inhibit innovation. So it's a fine line and balance. As you and so the things that we're looking at is we're establishing an AI center of excellence, having standard ML ops, standard pipelines to a certain extent, having a virtual cloud-enabled area where researchers can use the tools that we've deployed safely, but they can use their own creativity in building the models themselves as well. So we provide kind of a bench space, if you will, right, just like you have in research, to be able to do your work in a digital way and build the models that you need to build. But then we can govern that, we can see it, we can monitor the security on it, and then we can also validate before it gets deployed into, into operations. All right, we're going to be doing webinars a little different this year. I've talked to you a little bit about this. We got together with our advisors. They told us, hey, you got to do them different. They're just not serving the community well. And we said, what do you want? They said, community-generated topics, great contributors, not product-driven. They want a, a more honest and open discussion. And they said, what we want is not no on-demand webinars. We want once-and-done type webinars on a consistent date and time. So every first Thursday of the month, our first one being January 5th, first Thursday of the month, one o'clock Eastern time, we are going to be doing a webinar. You can count on it. Put it on your calendar. Every first Thursday of the month at one o'clock Eastern time, we're going to do a webinar. The topics are going to be generated by the community, and we would love to have you there. Our first one, January 5th, priorities for 2023, a CIO discussion with integrated delivery networks. February 2nd, we're going to come back with academic medical center CIOs talking about their priorities. And then we're going to hit some of the other great topics that they've given us for the year. And we would love to have you join us again, thisweekhealth.com, top right-hand corner. It'll have our current webinar and our upcoming webinars. You can sign up right there. And if you miss it, it's not on demand anymore. So we would love to have you there. Make sure somebody from your team is there taking notes and bringing stuff back to your staff. So we hope that this works out. Any feedback, go ahead and send us a note. We would love to hear about it. So you're 10 months into the role as CIO. Yes. What's the biggest surprise stepping into the role? That you looked at it and you thought, yeah, I know that role, I can do that role. Right. And then you step in and you go, that's a little different than what I anticipated. Yeah, I think it's the magnitude. Yeah, I've been working with CIOs directly for some time, but you don't appreciate the magnitude of the role and its responsibilities until you're in the seats. Right. And the number of different types of things you need to be educated on, that's the thing that shocked me. Yeah. It was like, you go to one meeting, it's like, hey, we need you to be an expert on supply chain. You go exactly. to the next meeting, it's like, oh, we're going to do some things around the genome, and we need you to talk through that. And right. not that we understand the genome, but right. we understand how we're going to process that amount of data and that kind of stuff. And then you go to the next one, and you're talking about staffing, and you're just like, oh my gosh. You're, you're great like at the end of the day. Yeah. And to your point, I think successful CIs that I see are understanding operations and technology. Yeah. So I spend a lot of my time, 
and it's exactly that. We're talking about patient experience and engagement and supply chain and capacity management constraints and predictive analytics to be able to do that. And then you're talking cybersecurity in the next meeting and a number of other things. So you have to be very versatile and you really have to understand operations and technology. But the nice thing about data is that is a natural progression in because you've it already is. touched so much of the organization. Yeah, I was very fortunate because when I took the CDA role, I reported to my uh, the chief medical officer at CHOP, who is very data analytics oriented, and started quality improvement there. So reporting through his organization, I really got a very deep understanding of clinical operations, which now helps me right. deploy technology and understand how it impacts operations. It, it's, it's a, I think data is a really good step into a CIO role or a CEO role. Are you one of those people who grew up in healthcare? No, so I've actually had kind of a tale of two careers. The first, my background's in economics and statistics. I did my first 10 years in financial services, consulting and banking, and then I switched to healthcare about 12 years ago. I've been in healthcare IT since then. How did you find that learning curve from finance to healthcare? I found the, the speed of healthcare to be a lot slower than in, in finance, but the level of complexity and uh, execution yes. is, is through the roof, exponentially higher. We have similar paths. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, very, it's very interesting. Right. Shakib, I want to thank you for your time. Thank you so great much. Great catching up. We'll have Thanks. to do this again. Great seeing you. Another great interview. I want to thank everybody who spent time with us at the conferences. I love hearing from people on the front lines, and it is phenomenal that they have taken the time to share their wisdom and experience with the community, which is greatly appreciated. We also want to thank our channel sponsors one more time who invest in our mission to develop the next generation of health leaders. They are Olive, Rubric, Trellix, Medigate, and F5. Thanks for listening. That's all for now.